Welcome back to Sell Me, the podcast that'll help you make some decisions. I am your host, Preston Knight, and today I am joined by the first management professor of the season, sort of taking a turn away from marketing. I got uh, I got Bill Brown here. How you doing? Good. Real yeah. good. Um, so first management teacher that I'm talking to. Okay. I talked with a graduate last week, and... We both really don't understand what the management side of school really, really is. Okay. Uh, we kind of saw just from like our experiences with management that it's, it seems like it can be more of a learned thing. But once again, we're going through marketing. We don't really know the full, the full uh, course load, like what you're going to learn different from management that you're going to learn in marketing. So could you maybe explain a little bit of that? Sure, I'll take a shot at that. Um, management is, uh, here in our college, is the largest of the four options just in terms of the numbers of students. Mm-hmm. And so my observation and experience is that um, different students are looking for different things. I think on, on one level, uh, management is probably the most general of our four options. So students who aren't very um, I think if you go, if you're in the accounting option, you have made a decision. You want to be an accountant, right? You want to you're, do numbers, correct? And you're very likely going to go on pursue a, a, a CPA and uh, and work as an accountant. And so that degree of certainty about what. Uh, post-college holds for you doesn't exist for some management students. So it does satisfy and serve um, students who are looking for a general grounding in business. But um, we are actually, the way the curriculum is uh, organized right now, uh, we're, we're trying to give students all of the basic skills they need to be successful in entry-level management jobs. And these are, management is, um, really it's getting accomplishing work through the efforts of others and how you can be influential and um, be able to get work done by organizing and directing uh, the efforts of other individuals. We also have opportunities in the um, management uh, option. These are certainly also available to uh, uh, marketing students or any any of our students and students from other colleges. We have quite a few who have an interest, who have entrepreneurial spirit. They've got in their head or their heart the inclination to someday start their own business or to operate their own business. And so we have particular um, academic routes and courses and activities and opportunities for those people who feel that, who have that inclination. Uh, And then we also, for those who are interested in doing international business, we also have a minor in international uh, business for, and a lot of times that's the one that students who have done exchanges or have uh, a notion that they would like to work uh, overseas uh, in Europe or Asia, that sort of thing. So in the management option, you have both generality and specificity. It really just depends on what you're looking for. So if you were going to be, if you were about to come into school and you had no real idea which area of business you wanted to go into, but you knew you wanted to do business, you would say management is kind of that 
general business it, degree. It is, but as you well know, Preston, the right. uh, the curriculum is set up in such a way that you have to take, uh, as a part of the uh, common body of knowledge, you have to take the introductory course in uh, marketing, management, finance, and accounting. Absolutely. And so that gives a lot, a lot of times students make a decision then about which pathway they're going to take towards their uh, degree. But, but you, you're right, the, the kind of the uh, uh, subtext on your question is for those who haven't got that degree of specificity, even after taking the intro courses and so forth, management is a great place. You come away with um, integrated management, integrated skills. You know the basics of marketing, of accounting and finance, uh, but you also have special expertise in uh, influence and uh, leadership. Uh, we also see, Preston, a lot of students um, who take both. They both do management and marketing. Right. And that's a pretty good combina- combination. And that's that's actually what Alexis started in last week. Oh, really? When I was talking to her, she said she started in both and ended up good. Liking, the, liking the marketing side a little bit more, right. so she decided to focus you, that in. Because we have and the, the curriculum here has a fairly... Um, good degree of flexibility in terms of electives. So I see students all the time, advisees, who are taking uh, option, dual optioning of both management and marketing, uh, and they're able to do that if, they're, if they know that that's what they want to do soon enough and then carefully select their courses, they can get both of those under their belts and still uh, stay under 120 hours. That's awesome. So. I know because I'm in it. You're the senior seminar. You're one of the senior seminar teachers, and it has all of the options in right. it. Um, did you did you go through school and do management so you have kind of that general knowledge of it all, or did you focus your way through school and then decide that this is something that you wanted to do? Uh, well, uh, the the first uh, business degree I start actually started in psychology, but the first business degree I got was an MBA. Okay. And then I got a PhD in business. So uh, I have had the opportunity to uh, form fun, you know, the basic skills in all of those uh, functional areas. But my particular uh, interest is in management. And the part that I find most interesting is strategy and strategic management, which is right. what uh, you and I have been working together on in the senior seminar. So did you ever... Um consider doing something more along like the accounting finance line or you were just focused on the, the management and the, the communication uh, strategy uh, stuff? Yeah, uh, yes, I, yes, the latter. I think I've always been interested in what I would call the soft side of the organization, the, the human resource side of it uh, as opposed to the um, account and accounting and finance side. Right. So um, in terms of going through school initially with psychology, uh, what made you want to study that initially, and then what made you pivot over to business afterwards? Well, uh, much of what we know about management, the knowledge, the evidence-based uh, theories and so forth of that uh, form and drive our uh, curriculum and uh, management, much of it is, is emanates from industrial and social psychology. When, when you think of psychology, people most often think about the clinical psychology part of it, the helping people with uh, behavioral problems and that sort of thing. Uh, But there's also a practical and applied side to psychology in the industrial and social psychology side. And a lot of the theory building um, 
efforts in our discipline come from that that area. And that's actually the part that I was uh, involved in as an undergraduate. And then I was um, interested in that part, but I was also quite interested in the uh, uh, kind of having a general knowledge about business. And the thing that I like about business and using uh, the things that we know about people and motivation and um, influence uh, that in a business situation, the the extent to which you've been able to appropriately and successfully apply that knowledge uh, is usually uh, you get the feedback in terms of how the outcomes you have in an organization is measured by their income statement balance sheet. Awesome. So it's kind of more rational approach. Cool. Uh, in terms of going through the management uh, program in this school or any of the schools, what what is it like looking for a management style job after after you've gone through school? Is it something where you would really really recommend having that entrepreneurial add-on so that you can go into making your own business and knowing how to delegate and communicate properly with your employees or would you just go into maybe like a entry-level management job at a smaller business well uh, that's that is a really good question and again as I said we we see a diversity of um, aspirations on the part of our students um, I, I think that uh, the, the management students fare very well in the job markets and I see them take a, a wide variety of different kinds of jobs uh, we place people every year at Boeing and large organizations like that. But then we also see them uh, go to smaller uh, companies and and then some would prefer to start their own businesses and may in fact um, work for a small company and then, then strike out on their own with their own entrepreneurial undertaking. So it's a real, it's a mixed bag, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different things. And you have a lot of options with, the, so. with that yeah. management. Again, degree. I think it, if you're graduating in accounting, I mean, you can do whatever you want, right. but if you're graduating in accounting, it's most likely you're going to go get a, an accounting, entry-level accounting job. And uh, so there's not that degree of certainty in, on the part of the management students. Uh, and so that could either be good or bad. If, you're, if, you, if you like certainty, you know, there's just kind of one kind of job that you want. And uh, it's accounting. That's pretty clear what you should be studying in undergraduate. If you're not as sure or you'd like to have a wider range of uh, uh, opportunities, uh, management, I think, serves that very well. Awesome. And after you went through all of your schooling, did you did you go into a job in the management side, or did you go straight into becoming an instructor? Uh, uh, well, actually, uh, uh, academics is a second career for me. I was an army officer first, and uh, so I served in uh, the army for almost twenty years. For twenty years, and. Uh, so I had a lot of management responsibility, and that's yeah, that makes there. Sense. And then a second career for me is uh, academics. What did uh, What did you do in the army? Uh, the regular army stuff, uh, and uh, and then I was also. Um, uh, <laughs> what I like to say is I was the not very important helper to some very important people. Really? Yeah. So you probably can't get into it by oh, confidence. No, no, no. It's nothing <laughs> like that. I had the great good fortune uh, to uh, have the opportunity to work for some time for General Colin Powell, 
who was uh, the chief of staff of the Army at the time that I was uh, there, and I was just one of his helpers. You just like an assistant? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's there's a whole cool. bunch of us. I mean, guys like that have a tremendous amount of responsibility, and so they need a lot of people to help them and so forth. But I was one of the ones who – I did other things, but uh, that was the kind of the most defining part of my Army Warren career for me. Powell. Yes. I heard he's like a really soft-spoken guy, isn't he? He is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I uh, – I have a very prejudiced opinion about him. I think he's just one of the most amazing Americans that I've ever known. But yeah, I mean, he's, you know, I mean, he could be plenty tough. And, right. Uh, you need uh, to. He could make, yeah, he could make a tough decisions. And he was a, I, I would put it this way. He is an, uh, yes, he has incredibly good interpersonal skills. He can talk to anyone. He makes friends and makes a positive impression on people very uh, easily. He's also one of the most value-driven people I've ever encountered ever in my whole life. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you have any specific values that that you've brought back from working with him? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I just aspire to be as... uh, as, as to have the amount of integrity and uh, positive regard for others and so forth I observed so frequently in General Powell. That's awesome. Yeah. That's that's really special to be able to work for such yeah. an important yeah. person. Yeah. And you, I feel like you mentioned early in the semester that you work for DARPA? Yes, I was. Right? That was my first job in the Army. Yes. Uh, uh, and uh, I was just very fortunate to uh, uh, get that uh, assignment. Uh, DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Administration, and it is a, uh, a a part of the Department of Defense that is constantly looking for ways to improve all kinds of things, technology, but also human systems uh, and that sort of thing. So um, when I first started out, as I mentioned, my undergraduate degree was in psychology. I was part of a program looking at human reliability. for people who uh, were in really critical jobs, uh, primarily the ones that had access to nuclear weapons, oh. uh, you know, when can we trust someone to do that, and when do we have to That's pull them tr- away? That's from stressful. That? Yeah. Well, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, but and and the way our uh, special weapons uh, systems are deployed. No one person could ever do anything really uh, harmful, but you still want to make sure that the people who are in proximity to these very potentially dangerous uh, things are uh, people that we can trust and that we absolutely know uh, what to expect from them. And so that was just where I started. I did a bunch of other other stuff, but that was uh, where kind of the, my, the first projects that I worked on. You also managed to sneak in there that you were part of the project that helped create the internet. Well, uh, no, that's not true. Oh, that's <laughs> how, that's I, how it came yeah, off initially. Well, DARPA is the place where the internet was uh, created. That wasn't anything I had anything to do with. Oh, you didn't have with. anything yeah. to do with that. That would be so cool. <laughs> DARPA... Uh, the, 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 the basic building block for the, uh, for the internet were uh, quadruple redundant communication systems that we built to, to make sure that we could maintain command and control over really important things like nuclear weapons. Right. And so that if, uh, um, 
if there were an attack on the United States and some of our standard communications infrastructure was destroyed or unavailable, that we would have a way to communicate with the people we needed to communicate with. And so it was a combination of hardwired systems, some wireless, just different ways of communicating so that if this doesn't work, we've got another option. That if we need to get a hold of these people, we reliably know we could, even in an emergency situation. That's that's way above my pay grade. Well, it's, uh, that's, <laughs> but that's but what happened with that, and this is something that happens with a lot of things that DARPA does. The the basic uh, mission of DARPA is to do this research and develop new things in support of our uh, military capability around the world. But a lot of that stuff has civilian applications, and you know, uh, obviously, perhaps the most profound civilian application was the introduction of a ubiquitous internet that's everywhere now. Right. That's crazy. You created a monster over there. It, well, okay. No, can't let me, stop. The internet let me can't miss, stop. I didn't, I didn't create the internet. But I, the DARPA is really the place where that started. And some other people have sort of uh, implied that they might be the place where it started. And certainly a lot of people contributed to it. It wasn't any one thing, but that I, I think it is fair to say that the first um, hardened, reliable, wide-ranging um, communication systems that, def- that relied on a whole array of modalities was created by uh, DARPA. That's that's an awesome experience too. Yeah, man. So you went psychology, then to the military. Yeah, and then you went to graduate school? Uh, yeah, I was always uh, interested. In, I always have enjoyed school and academics and so forth. So I went to school at night and earned a couple of master's degrees while I was uh, on active duty. And then, actually, uh, uh, I was very, very fortunate. Uh, while I was on active duty, I applied for a program that allows a few officers every year to, uh, while on active duty, to get PhDs. And that's that I was successful in being admitted in, to that program. So I spent three years of my military career at George Washington University Mm -hmm. where I earned a PhD in business. And then you went straight into being an instructor? No, I continued to work. uh, With the uh, military? I was actually during a time when off and on I worked for General Powell and his group uh, and so forth. So So when along the line did you decide that you wanted to be a college instructor well I as I said I've always liked I love college campuses there's just something about being around students and all of their energy and the kind of the ebb and flow of the energy around college campuses I just always felt happiest when I was in around an educational institution and then I went to school and saw I the um, lifestyle and um Activities of professors that I really admired and just thought this is something I would very much like to do. So that's after I retired from the Army, I uh, um, became an academic. Awesome. Did you come straight to Montana State or did you no, go somewhere I did not. first? I went to the University of Nebraska. For, really? Yes. Go Big uh, Red? 
Yeah, yeah, the big red. <laughs> got the I've got the end for knowledge on the side of our helmets, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So that so I was there for a few years, but and I really loved that. It was they were so good to me, and it was a wonderful first job for me and so forth. I can't say that Lincoln, Nebraska, was my favorite place that I've ever been. Yeah, so I've I was always interested in being in the in the mountains and then particularly in the Rocky Mountains and in the western part of the United States. So I kind of kept my eyes open when a job appeared here. I jumped at it. Oh, so straight from Nebraska up yeah. to Bozeman. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And now now you're here. How long have you been here? Uh, almost 20 years. 20 years here? Yeah. Big fan of 20s. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And uh, I know you teach the senior seminar class. Do you have any other classes that are specifically oh, your yeah. teaching? I, or? Over the time, over the years I've been here, I've taught just about everything in the management option except the MIS stuff. But I've taught the freshman seminar. I've taught uh, 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 human resources. I uh, created our course in leadership and taught that for a while. I there, We have two courses that are required of all management students, uh, 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 Management 366 and 466, and those are practical applied management courses. It's not about management, it's how to manage. If you had to resolve a dispute, if you had to um, uh, stimulate uh, high-performing workers, uh, uh, if you had to increase communications in your organization, how specifically would you do that? How do you build up the personal behavioral repertories that makes you able to do that, which makes you employable as a a manager? So I taught those for a long time. And then um, I've been in and out of the uh, senior seminar a couple of times, but I really like it. I think it's kind of my natural playing position. I I really enjoy teaching it. Yeah, I actually uh, got a recommendation from someone I was in class with last semester. Like, you got to get Bill Proud. Oh, good. That guy's so good. Yeah, that's great. I've definitely enjoyed your class. It's it's good. definitely challenging, yep. but you give you give good feedback, and that's that's definitely really really helpful. Well, I mean, as you've heard me say many times, uh, Preston, and I've this is absolutely the way I feel about you. What I really I'm just so happy to see you guys. You're just about to become uh, college graduates, and that's a good thing. It's a it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, I think we've I talked know. about this before. Half yeah. the people you started with, unfortunately, don't make it to the finish line. Yeah, and so I. We really want people to have a, a valuable learning experience, and so we push them pretty hard. But we hope that at the end of the the course, that they feel like they have an increased sense of confidence in their own abilities to figure out complicated stuff. And um, that's why we use all of these cases and mm-hmm. so forth. And then also that that once they figured it out, to be able to explain what they figured out to other people in a way that they can quickly and easily understand. And we're pretty sure that that's a, uh, you know, it's a, we want you to, all of you can do that. And what we do is just try to give you feedback about how good you're doing it and how, what you might, could do to, to get better. And, and those are the, that's at the critical thinking and business communications are at the absolute top of every competency list we've ever seen in terms of what employers uh, are looking for. And so we're just giving our seniors a chance to exercise it maybe and develop a bit more those capabilities on, on their way out the door. It's working. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot and getting 
getting beat up by these cases sometimes, but well, I, I'm still yeah. learning. I'm, I'm were, learning. I'm if learning they were still easy, too. You'd be disappointed, right? You don't want to skate through. You got to still right. learn something, even though you're in the final stretch. No, I think that's exactly right. And then it's really so heartening because, um, um, you know, they're. Um, <coughs> your classmates, the other uh, men and women, and there, there's about a 220 or 30 people that go through this course every year. You know, you just really, if you give them something challenging, they will respond. Right. If you can, if you can create something that's interesting and they perceive it as useful, it just makes me so happy to see how really capable and um, conscientious and hardworking our uh, our graduates are. And that kind of sounds like it fits right in with the whole management, you know, kind of thought process is if you, you got to take something that's challenging and learn how to adapt to it. Right. So it makes even more sense that you're well, one of those well, instructors. That's right. I mean, one of the things we, I hate to sound like a professor here, but one of the things <laughs> we know about tasks and goals is the most motivating tasks are the things that are just beyond the tips of our fingers. There's some things that are so difficult uh, that uh, and complicated, we, we might not ever engage them because we just don't think we can do it. And so that's not a very motivating task or goal. If it's super simple, it's not very motivating either. Right. So what we're trying to do is to push our students uh, in something that they can do, but then push them in a very supportive, developmental way to try to do even better. And so uh, that's just kind of the underlying uh, or psychology that supports the way we try to organize the course and do it. So when you say you're struggling, um, I, or you're saying you're getting beat up by the cases, uh, you know, I don't want you to feel like you're being abused, but I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because if it was super simple, we really wouldn't be um, challenging you. Yeah, you wouldn't be getting anything Correct. out of it. That's yeah. exactly right. And as an athlete, I'm sure you know that too, that you know, things that you are most inclined to do are the things that you aren't sure you can do them, but you want to give it a try. Right. You want to put the effort in to try, that's and, correct. To try and reach that next level that's that, my, that you Yeah, that's that you been my observation and experience. <laughs> Well, beyond that, if you don't want to sound like a professor, uh, <laughs> what else do you do when you're not doing school stuff? Well, one of the reasons I was interested in coming to Montana in the first place, I really like the out outdoor lifestyle. Right. And I probably fish 50 or 60 days a year. Really? So, yeah, I'm, a, I'm very... That's ad- pretty good. Yes, I love fly fishing. I've never yeah. got... Never got fly fishing. You haven't? Never. Well... Uh, it it is uh, it's the kind of thing that you can learn to do it. It's not super hard to learn to be a not very good fly fisherman, <laughs> but then you can spend the rest of your life trying to get this all figured out. The relationship between you, the equipment, and the fish is all it's just fascinating. And you do it in a really pretty beautiful area. Absolutely. And this is sort of world headquarters for flying fishing here. Yeah. Fly fishing opportunities uh, within 30 minutes of where we're sitting right now are just absolutely astonishing. And the other thing I really love is I love shotgun sports. Uh, I've always been interested in skeet and trap and we have a really good sporting clay situation here in town and so forth so clay pigeons and shotguns are what i spend a lot of time on too wow are you are you pretty good uh i'm fair fair i can hold my own you can hold your i would hope so 
I mean, you seem like a guy who could who could just kind of knock him down. Well, some days I can, some days I can't. You know, you know that as an athlete. Yeah. Some days you can get it done, and some days, some days you, it just no doesn't work out. No matter how hard you try, you can't. So that's what, that keeps me coming back as well. Uh, I'm a really big. Uh, I'm a. Uh, a home chef, love to cook. Really? And, yep. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend's actually a uh, private chef. Oh, is she? Yeah, she actually yeah. cooks at a few fly fishing lodges oh, good for around her. Bozeman. Good for her. Well, I could never make a living doing it, but I, I find <laughs> that interesting and fun to do. I, I don't understand cooking at all. <laughs> she she tries to explain small things to me, and I'm like, I don't know what that means. I got I was caught up in what she was trying to explain to me one time, and then she said to quarter the potatoes. Yeah. And I was like, what was that? She like put them into four. I was like, there oh, you go. Yeah, yeah, I was just, I was just so confused by, by everything else that she was yeah. saying that the next thing, just didn't make sense at all. Yeah, but you know, once you get kind of through the, I mean, I love the techniques of cooking and so forth, but the, the opportunities for creativity are just endless. Oh, absolutely. You know, and so, uh, I mean, people who cook for a living, I could never make a living doing it and so forth, but the, the creative, you know, we have a fabulous food scene here in this town. Oh, but, yeah, it's great. Uh, the people that, you know, it's just, it's the kind of thing that it's like music or anything else. You can, there's a infinite number of ways you can combine things and uh, so I think it gives rise to both technique but using the technique to support creativity. Do you have a favorite style of food you like to make? Uh, I grill a lot. Uh, I've got a grill that I, I grill all year round so uh, I've got a grill that it can use be used in the winter time. I love doing uh, doing that but then I like a, I like a lot of uh, uh, you know, distinctive cuisines like Asian food, I like a lot. I grew up in the South in New Orleans, and so I've always oh, awesome. had an interest in, in Cajun cooking and, and uh, that sort of thing, regional cuisines, um, things like that. Nice. And, you know, just to jump back to fly fishing, is there a favorite, favorite spot that you like? Well, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Oh, okay, okay. It's like that. See, I don't know these things. I don't find it. Well, I, I no could idea. take you there, but you'd have to ride in the trunk of the car with a blindfold. Right. Like getting kidnapped. Nah, and then, by kidding. the way, look at how beautiful this I, is. I'm just kidding. Like your favorite a, river. Or there, yeah. I mean, uh, to me, the Gallatin River, the East Gallatin, and the main uh, stream of the Gallatin River is just amazing. I mean, it's just so close by, and there's a gazillion fish in there, and you, it's the kind of uh, river you. You know, some of the rivers are really big, like the the Yellowstone. Yeah, I've heard the, the Yellowstone's kind of the spot. Yeah, well, it is. It's a great place to fish, but it's not a very. I don't think it's a very good wading uh, river. Oh, okay, it's so big. You gotta have a boat, right? You need to get a boat, and so that and that's so that's adds a, a later cut. The Gallatin, you can fish it year round, and I mean it's. It, it does freeze over sometimes, right. but you can fish it all year round, and if the access is just limitless. It's really easy to get on and easy to catch fish in there. Do you go anywhere outside of Bozeman? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, my um, my absolute favorite place in the whole world uh, to fit fly fish is Craig, Montana, which is uh, north of Helena on the uh, Missouri River. Okay. And uh, something about that particular, there's a stretch about 25 miles long uh, below uh, downstream from Hauser Dam that is one of the most uh, prolific fisheries in in North America. And there's just something about the aquatic insects and the... uh, 
the vegetation there that makes it just an incredible uh, fishery. So that's, that's awesome. That's uh, it, when, whenever I get a chance, I'll go up there and spend a few days. Yeah, I, I really need to try it. My my brother's been trying to get me to fly fish. Yeah. My whole well, family's been trying to convince no me to get on board. Yeah, I just no I don't, I don't, the, yeah. the arm thing, and I feel like I'm just going to hook myself and then throw myself in the water, and I'm going to look dumb. Yeah. Well, it's a different quit. kind of fishing. I mean, I grew up in the South, and uh, we did mostly spin casting and uh, bait casting and right. so forth. So you're, you're casting something that's heavy, and it's really pretty easy to cast like that. There's Fly casting is a little more difficult because uh, the thing you're casting is a fly. It's a something that's made out of feathers or a similar material that's imitating an insect. And it has no weight to it whatsoever. What you're really casting is the weight of your fly line. And it takes a little bit of... Uh, practice to be able uh, to do that a little bit of finesse oh, yeah a little bit and i just had a question about all this. do you tie your own flies nah nah you just buy them yeah it, that, yeah. that looks so complicated and i've yeah. seen like the the setups that people have they have their own fly tie desk and little it's a little too tedious for yeah me. that sounds that mm -hmm. that seems stressful enough and i'm i'm stressed out about fishing just in general don't even get me on top of tying flies. I'm not going to know what to do with myself. Yeah, you won't catch me doing it either. Yeah, I'm not going to be doing that. But uh, honestly, I think we already have hit all of our all of our learning objectives. Good. That's awesome. Just a quick one. Yeah. We can do that. All right. Thanks for helping me out. It's my pleasure. And uh, uh, good luck to you and all uh, your podcasts and this little project you're doing. If there's any way I can help you further, you know I'd be happy to do it. Awesome. Well, this has been the third episode now of Sell Me, podcast I help you make decisions. I am your host, Preston, and I will see you again next Monday. Thank you.